Kyle, good morning. How are you, buddy? Fantastic. How are you? Because you know what? Now that uh, now that we're less than seven days away from the NFL draft, that officially means it's draft week, Tom. It, it is, and, and, and that's what we're going to dive into. But I wanted you to hear this. We've been talking about favorite baseball movies this morning a little oh. bit, and we got and, and Ward has done some research. And I think this is pretty cool. And I did not know this. Uh, check this out, Kyle. Ward, go ahead and give us the research on, uh, on, on A League of Their Own starring Tom Hanks. Yeah, one of the votes we got was A League of Their Own uh, with Tom Hanks. And uh, Racine Field, home of the Racing Bells, uh, was filmed at Boss Field at 1700 North Main Street in Evansville, Indiana, which in reality is the home of the Evans. Bill Otters, built in 1915. It's the oldest ballpark still in use in the United States after Boston Fenway Park, 1912, and Wrigley Field, 1914. And the League of Their uh, Own visiting team, which was the Rockford Peaches, was filmed in League Stadium on South Cherry Street in Huntingburg, Indiana, which uh, after many years of neglect, the stadium was renovated for the film. And after the renovation, it is now still in use by the DeBose County Bombers, calling it home field. It's kind of cool stuff, isn't it? That is cool stuff. I I mean, that movie was, uh, I mean, I I felt like going into that movie being released, it wasn't as highly anticipated by baseball fans. and, And because, I mean, whenever you had all these other releases kind of coming down the pipeline, you anticipated, oh, here comes another good baseball movie. However, that movie was phenomenally done. The acting, the writing, the storyline, and, uh, of course, the message behind it all as well was fantastic. That was a really, really well-made movie. All right, buddy. Let, let's dive into this thing. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of debate. Where do the Cowboys go? Do they go offense? Do they go defense? Do they go? Do they go wide receiver? Do they go O line? Do they? Do they go second? Where do they go, Kyle? And 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 how do they get done what they need to get done after what was kind of a a rough off season for them? Yeah, it, it really seems like there is no true wrong answer. I mean, it, with the amount of holes that you have on the, both sides of the football, really. And, and in the past, it's been the defensive side of the football that has dominated the early talks of the NFL draft. Yes, you did draft C.D. Lamb in, in 2020. Yes, you did trade your first-round pick for Amari Cooper in 2019. Uh, but really, the, the defense has really been what you've built through the draft. Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, I mean, most of your starters, Demarcus Lawrence, all those guys have been coming on the defensive side of the football through the draft. So I think it's time to look at the offensive side. What do you reinvest into your offensive line? Because right now you're, you're aging at the tackle spots, or at least at one of the tackle spots with Tyron Smith. You don't have Lyle Collins at the other tackle spot anymore. That's, that's Terrence Steele. That's definitely not a uh, uh, an advantage, at least going into this season. They like Terrence Steele quite a bit, but they don't necessarily see that as a Pro Bowl caliber next-level advantage that they would have over the rest of the teams in the NFL. And then, of course, the interior of the, up, of the offensive line, Zach Martin on the right side, 
Then it, then your starters are Connor McGovern at left guard and Tyler Biotis at center. Both of those could stand to see an upgrade, and I think that's where it's most likely you're going to see the value align with the the need. Uh, that that's really kind of what it been what it's about lately is trying to pinpoint which value lines up with the need. And I think offensive line, interior offensive line is going to line up with that 24th overall pick with a couple different prospects there that might fit the bill perfectly. Kyle, with all the turnover in the offseason for the Dallas Cowboys, how much more important does that make this draft with that window rapidly closing on Jerry Jones? Yeah, it's crucial uh, because it's not only closing on the entire roster, but it's closing on some of your star players. Who knows if this is the the final year for Ezekiel Elliott in a Cowboys uniform. I mean, he, he's got an out in his contract next year. Uh, he could potentially be gone. And, yeah, you say, okay, well, what about Tony Pollard? He might be around for a while. No, he's going into a contract year as well. So what's happening in the backfield? Dak Prescott, of course, he's got his long-term deal. He's here for a while. At some point, you're going to have to pay C.D. Lamb. At some point, you're going to you're going to have to find another receiver. You're going to have to see Tyron Smith's career come to an end. Zach Martin's career come to an end. You see this window, and you see it coming down the line, and you never really know when it's going to hit and when that window officially closes. But you have a feeling that now you're on the back end of your uh, of your timeline. You had a lot of excitement in 2016 with Dak Prescott and Zeke and kind of hitting both of those picks to another level and seeing these young guys as rookies come into the league. So when you lost in the playoffs, you didn't necessarily say, oh, man, that one hurt. Of course it hurt, but it it still felt like it was the start of the window. When you fell to the 49ers back in January, you said, oh, no, well, well, what's next? I mean, yeah, we've got a young core on the defensive side of the football, but how long does that last? We, we've we got to find a way to have a good offseason. And right now, like you said, they haven't really done a whole lot from the free agency side of things. They've added James Washington. They've added Dante Fowler Jr. But if they do not add significant hits in the draft, whether it be on the offensive line, whether it be in the pass rush, I, I really would – struggle to see this team getting back to the caliber at least in which they they were able to achieve during the 2021 season when they went 12 and 5 and they had everything set up health-wise going into the playoffs it would be hard to see them getting back to that if they don't see a couple of these guys not just their first round pick but probably two three four hits of guys that are going to be significant contributors in year one do you think they take a kicker in the draft i mean obviously it's oftentimes overlooked except for when you need it and then what made me think of that was you know Cincinnati goes and gets Evan McPherson and really it's a big role in what their success last season and is there an Evan McPherson type kicker in this draft yeah I think there is I think there is an Evan McPherson type kicker and that also adds a fun element it's almost like whenever a Super Bowl team goes and does what they do it's like oh how did they get there? Okay, let's all try and emulate that. Let's try and mm-hmm. uh, try and copy exactly what they did. And the Bengals doing what they did with Evan McPherson, it's going to allow teams to go into the draft with a little bit more confidence in some of these kickers. And there's some guys there. Cade York out of LSU. He's a DFW product with the Prosper. Uh, very good kicker. He's about as clutch as they come. He was the one that made the uh, the 50 or 47-yard kick in the middle of the, the fog 
against Florida mm -hmm. in 2020 where it was the game winner. I, I can't remember if it was 57 or 47 yards away. Either way, it was a massively long kick, and it was in terrible conditions. Somebody threw a shoe in that football game, and then he threw his cleat into the football long enough to put it in, in between the uprights. Cameron Dicker, I know you guys know out of Central Texas, the Texas Longhorn kicker for quite some time. He was an all-Big 12 punter as well. I don't think he would do both at the next level. I think he would be a kicker uh, specifically, but he's one that I know the Cowboys have had at least their eye on. I don't know if they've had any conversations with these guys, or at least I haven't confirmed that. But without Greg Zerline, who is now off and, and to, the, uh, to another ball club throughout this offseason, they have a guy under contract, but not really. It's it's a really odd situation with the kicking unit at the moment, but it looks like they're going to be shopping for a kicker come draft time. So to answer your first question, yes, I, I think they do take one. They've got four fifth-round picks. I wouldn't be surprised if they use one of them on a kicker. Maybe they use their sixth-round pick on a kicker or trade back into the seventh to get one but I think at some point in day three you're going to see a kicker go to the Dallas Cowboys uh, and if not they're going to have to go out and find one in free agency which uh, as we know already that that kicking market isn't necessarily fruitful all right uh, Kyle I'm, I'm going to get you to do a little speculating here uh, you, you were talking a moment ago about the defensive unit being young and, and the offensive unit being a veteran group and you know the window was closing on the offensive group uh, and it's kind of sounded like last year maybe they pushed all the chips to the middle of the table. I, I go back to Dak Prescott, and again, here's where I'm asking you to speculate. Did the Cowboys uh, – did Dak Prescott kind of have the D Cowboys over a barrel because he knew that the window was closing rapidly on the, this unit offensively and that if they were going to – and the Cowboys knew if they were going to get it done, they had to have a guy that they could count on is that part of why he got what he got in his deal? I don't know if I would say over the barrel specifically with that whole contract conversation. Sure, he had some leverage, but the Cowboys did as well. I mean, the Cowboys brand does hold weight for a quarterback in the NFL. If you're the face of the Cowboys, there's a chance, very good chance, that you're you're borderlining on the face of the league. And so there there is a little bit of leverage back and forth there. And at least prior to the injury, the window closed with Dak Prescott. Uh, that's that's when the window was closing. You could really mix and match the pieces around it, but the way that he was trending prior to this past season, prior to the ankle injury in week five of 2020, you really felt like he was the window. It wasn't necessarily, oh, Dak Prescott uh, knows the window is closing he believes wholeheartedly that he is the window. And I can, I can confidently say that he believes that even to this day. Now, injuries were, were awful last year. I mean, he, this is a guy who didn't necessarily deal with any significant injury throughout any part of his career, even going back to college. I mean, yeah, he was banged up a couple of times, but he never really was significantly injured. And then in the span of a calendar year, he has the ankle fracture uh, on live television in front of everybody. Of course, he's out for the season. And then he has the shoulder injury in training camp that leaves him 
uh, a little bit sidelined and, and at least keep some sidelines through the preseason all the way up until week one. And if you remember, that wasn't even a foregone conclusion that he was going to be in the game going up against Tom Brady and the reigning champion Buccaneers at the time. And then he has the calf injury. So three different injuries in the span of a calendar year for a quarterback who has never had to deal with any sort of injury that kept him out of playing time. So I think it's a a learning process for him. I think it's something that he's got to push through and he's got to figure out if he's going to get back to the same level that he was whenever they anticipated signing him to that deal and, and the money that was on that deal. He didn't play up to that this past year. He's going to have to do so because if you're a franchise quarterback, you have to take some of those deficiencies that may cause a window from closing and cover those up. And that's exactly what I think the Cowboys anticipate Dak Prescott to do, and that's what they expect him to do moving forward. Kyle, is this the worst offseason that the Cowboys franchise has ever seen? And Stephen Jones trying to push that off by saying, you never win the Super Bowl in the offseason. It didn't make a whole lot of fans real happy. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if it's the worst ever. Uh, it, it certainly hasn't been great, though. I, at least on paper, you look at it and you say, how did this football team get better? And they haven't necessarily gotten better at the moment. Now, it's a long off season; There's still a long way to go. But I'm, I'm kind of leaning more on the fan side of things, of seeing the frustration and seeing why things haven't necessarily gone in their favor throughout. And he, he did say that. He said, yeah, we, we can't win a Super Bowl in the offseason. And I agree with that. I, I agree that you do not win the Super Bowl in the offseason. However, you very much so can lose the Super Bowl in the offseason. And then I don't know if the Cowboys have done enough to say that, they hey, they're, they're out of contention yet because they still have the core of guys in which they, they really do like. Uh, really, Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory are the only two losses there that significantly hurt your production, and I still think that they, at least they believe that they can fill those voids by the end of this offseason to a significant amount. Maybe not to a a complete total of Amari Cooper. You're not going to find an instant Amari Cooper in the draft, and you're not going to find an instant Randy Gregory in the draft, but you can at least expect some people to step up into those roles and try and fill those uh, to uh, an extent that they would be happy with moving into the 2022 season, but it hasn't been great so far. Still a long way to go, and at some point, they're going to add some kind of talent. I don't think they're done just yet, but I just also don't necessarily think they know how this draft is going to go. Maybe they're waiting for that to unravel before they really make a couple of moves and, and see where they're headed in terms of a roster map, a roster roadmap uh, into the back half of this offseason. Kyle, in a season where it's Really crucial. I mean, this could be McCarthy. We don't know what's going to happen. If you don't win enough, this could be your last year. With so much on the line, and I know we don't know the schedule yet, but you have the road games that came out. Do they luck up with road games? I mean, I'm looking at it. You go to Jacksonville, Green Bay, the Rams, Titans, Vikings, Eagles, Washington. Did they luck up knowing that you're really your two toughest road games are essentially Green Bay and the Rams? Yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily know if you if you look at it that they lucked up in in that terms because yeah they they did look like or it does look like they have some solid chances to get road wins i mean like you said the the division is is going to be tougher than it was last year so those games aren't necessarily a 
a automatic win like it was a year ago. I mean, that was the first time since what 98 that they had swept the division and went six and zero. So I don't necessarily think you can chalk those up as automatic wins. And then of course you've got Green Bay, who's on a, a return tour of Aaron Rodgers, and they're on a different type of mission to to try and prove people wrong after they were shortchanged in the divisional round. And then of course the the reigning champ Rams. But you also look at the home side of things. It's like, oh wait, things don't necessarily get tougher whenever or easier whenever you get back to uh, AT and T Stadium. You've got the Bengals coming to town. You've got the Buccaneers coming to town. It doesn't necessarily seem like an easy road for the Cowboys. Again, I still think they should win a good amount of their games that they're they're up against. Because yeah, they do play the Jags. They play the Lions. They play some teams that are definitely a winnable matchup however I don't think you could really mark anything as easy in the NFL nowadays especially how quickly things can turn on a dime in a singular offseason hey uh just a thought here with and again speculating uh without knowing what the draft is going to look like would, would the Cowboys have any interest in Debo Samuel I think there's and from interest. a from a fit standpoint yeah, from a fit standpoint, it, I think there's interest if he was more open to being a to being kind of like what he was in, in San Francisco, a running back uh, wide receiver hybrid. And he says that's part of the reason why he wants out of San Francisco. I think that's what teams would want him for, especially if they're going to give up the premium price to do it. I don't think one the Cowboys would give up a premium trade price to get there. And I also don't know if they would pay him the contract that he's wanting where it's like 25 to $30 million. It'd be really tough to, to try and find a middle ground with, with Debo there. He likes the in, in there, the Twitter posts or whatever it was that had him uh, photoshopped in a Cowboys uniform. I feel like that's just, a, that's an everyday, every free agent move to try and drive your price up a little bit more just because just by using that Cowboys name as leverage, the Cowboys would love to have him. Any team would love to have him on the field because Debo Samuel is a game changer. And and the way that he brings that versatility into the backfield as a receiver yards after the catch, the physicality, the speed, the elusiveness, it all fits the NFL modern game. San Francisco was able to use him exceptionally well, and they want him back too. They want to. They are ready to sign a deal of twenty-five to thirty million to him right now. He just wants out of San Francisco, and unless the, the Cowboys can get a bargain deal to get him here, and then Debo gives a bargain deal to the Cowboys contract-wise on a long-term deal moving into the future, I really don't see it happening either way. Sure, they would be interested in the fact that, hey, he's a really, really good football player. I don't think there's any interest in the, the business side of the deal at the moment just because of the, the hurdles that you have to jump through. Hey, Kyle, Kyle, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kyle, do the Cowboys move in this draft up, down at, at all, or do you see them trying to make some moves in the draft? I, I If I were a betting man, Ward, I would put money on them moving at some point. I don't know if it'll be at the in the first round with the 24th overall pick. I, I really think they're going to stand put and, and make that pick. If anything, they would trade down and try and get another top 100 pick or maybe a top 150 pick, something like that to move down a couple of spots, which I certainly think is possible for 
some of these teams on the back end, if they want to go up and get a wide receiver, go up and get a quarterback, they could maybe try and offer some some extra picks in there for the Cowboys to make if they wanted to, to fall down to 29 or fall down to 32 or into the early second round, they may be able to do that. However, I think it's really likely if they don't do that, that they move up into the second round. I think they look at this first 45 picks as uh, a next level from the, the second tier of guys. That'll be from picks like 46 through 90. I think they really want to get back up into the top 45, whether they pick at 24 or not. Uh, I think they're going to try and get up and maybe go get a guy in the early second round. We'll see if that actually happens or not, but that's just my hunch at the moment. I think there's a chance they go do that because of who they've been looking at, who they brought in for the 30 visits, and, and what they've been targeting in terms of positional value. I think that's really where it lies. Hey, Kyle, thanks, man. We appreciate the time. And uh, it, as you said, it's uh, it's draft week because we're we're less than seven away, and uh, keep us in the loop if, if anything cool happens, would you? <laughs> Sounds good, guys, always. Thanks, Thanks for having me.